0: This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcast every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9 on KUCI, 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan, and I'm Mike Kaspar. In the wake of the Abu Ghraib scandal, and with the ongoing reports of detainee mistreatment at Guantanamo Bay and other detention centers, Americans are becoming increasingly appalled over the Bush administration's use of torture in the name of post-September 11th national security. Now, in your new book, Truth, Torture, and the American Way, Jennifer Harbury, known internationally for her 1992 investigation into the American-backed torture of her Guatemalan husband, offers a detailed analysis of the moral and legal issues surrounding torture and calls for Americans to carefully weigh torture's cost in terms of national security. Harbury is a Harvard-educated lawyer and the author of two other books, Searching for Ever and Bridge of Courage. She currently directs the Stop Torture Permanently campaign at the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee. Jennifer Harbury, welcome to Weekly Signals.
1: Thank you very much. I'm glad to be
0: here. We're we're happy to have you, too. How are you doing today? So far, so good. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at the McCain bill. (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah. You know, let's just jump right into that, as long as you mentioned it. What's your impression of the McCain bill? How is that going, and and how is George Bush... uh, Uh, let's see, positioning himself regarding that?
1: Well, the way the bill turned out with last-minute compromises and um, with, of course, President Bush's reservations and also the Graham Amendment, we're in big trouble. We've basically said that all forms of torture are illegal, but no one's ever going to go to jail, and the president will torture when he wishes.
0: (laughs) Yes. And, And also, too, that they can use testimony obtained during torture at trial, so... I do It's shocking.
1: It's never been permitted in, any, in an American court ever to use torture. A uh, confession obtained through torture. The courts have said again and again: obviously, a person will say anything under torture. It's unreliable and therefore inadmissible. Now,
2: I want to I want to go back for just a moment mm-hmm. to the McCain Amendment itself, and let's mm-hmm. kind of give a, a very brief uh, uh, explanation as to mm-hmm. what we, what what we thought was being accomplished and what actually happened.
1: Well, let me start at the beginning, which is okay. that. Um, There is already and has been since 1996 a felony statute, which is 18 U.S. Code 2340, which basically uses the definition given in the Convention Against Torture of what mental and physical torture are and makes them a felony punishable for up to 20 years for someone who orders it, conspires in it, or carries it out abroad outside of this country. If we um find out what waterboarding really is, instead of listening to Porter Goss's sanitized language, it's not a pool dunking where you hold a person's head underwater till they, quote, think they're going to drown. A number of my friends in Latin America have been waterboarded, some of them in the presence of U.S. agents. The, the, it consists of holding the person's head underwater until they go into convulsions and pass out and do drown and are then given CPR to wake them back up. Clearly, that's torture under the original torture statute, which makes it a felony. And, in fact, almost everything we've done to the detainees already is a felony. Now, what the Bush administration tried to do is sidestep that statute by simply declaring that waterboarding and the other practices were not torture, but, quote, unquote, merely um, cruel and degrading, which is a secondary category in all of our treaties. It would have been up to the courts to decide that, and I think they would have found absolutely that those practices are torture and not cruel and degrading. But McCain's amendment bars and prohibits also cruel and degrading punishment, which is good. That secondary loophole has now been closed, even though I don't think it would have worked in court in the first place. What's bad about the McCain bill is it creates new defenses for the torturers. They can, for example, say they were just following orders. So we'll go all the way to the top to Rumsfeld and Cheney and others who gave the orders, and they're allowed to say, well, I was relying on advice of counsel. Who would that be? Well, of course, people like Alberto Gonzalez uh-huh. and John Yu who said, go ahead and do it, basically. Those attorneys in turn are going to say they were just given giving, giving their, their legal opinions. So uh, people like uh, John uh, Alberto Gonzalez, moreover, are not going to indict anybody for these crimes, obviously. Right. Meanwhile, the civil branch has been blocked by the Graham Amendment, which means the detainees can no longer go to court directly to complain about torture. I think that much of this is going to be struck down when it gets to court. I mean, Congress can say this is the new law, but it's up to the courts to decide whether it's constitutional or legal or not. And I think we're going to find out that it's not. What's shocking is that we've basically thrown overboard all of the most basic international human rights uh, standards that there are. Which makes us not the leader of the moral world, but the the underdog of the moral world, I must say.
2: Um, to go back yeah. just a minute and get back to the when the president, I heard that when the president signed this into law, he wrote a presidential amendum to it that said, "I can do what I want, no matter what this law says."
1: He wrote a he ex- he had originally, of course, together with Cheney, threatened to veto McCain's bill with all the defenses written into the canesville it's not worth the paper that it's written on if i may be so blunt but even then um the president issued a reservation when he accepted it he didn't veto it he accepted it with a reservation that he would do whatever his constitutional powers as chief of the armed forces permitted In other words, when he thinks it's appropriate to use it, he's going to use it.
2: So so this bill really isn't worth the paper it's printed on, is it?
1: That's correct. It wasn't even without the presidential reservation because all the new defense has basically immunized people who do commit torture. It's saying it's illegal, but you will be protected. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, Bush is saying he'll do it whenever he thinks it's legal, which, you know, the Bush interpretation basically says the executive branch is above the law, it's a complete destruction of our checks and balances system, and worse yet, you know, it takes us back to the days of Henry VIII, basically in Great Britain. The law's whatever I say it is.
0: Now, how do you imagine that John McCain, someone who has been tortured, would would sign off on something like that? What's your take on that? I, well, McCain's a strange man. I can't really pin him down. Um, but... Certainly, he's he is
1: vehemently against torture. Originally, uh, he had accepted uh, a special exception for the president to allow these practices in extraordinary circumstances, and the human rights community convinced him not to put that in. Um, But obviously, at the very last minute, um, he probably assumed that these special defenses would give people a more fair trial. I don't think he properly understood um, the impact that was really going to have, because he ended up legalizing exactly what he was trying to illegalize.
2: And in the process, really provided a, a defense for all the people who do torture.
1: Well, again, you know, we'll see what happens when we get to court. You can pass it in Congress, but at least Congress and the and the courts still have some semblance of a balance of power between them.
2: Right, and it is important. You pointed it out, but I want to reiterate that uh, the man who wrote the infamous torture memo. Is now our attorney general, who and he be,
1: decides to, who to indict and who not to indict. Right,
2: so, so the chances of something happening in that regard are, are pretty slim. Um,
0: well, I just want to get to Alberto Gonzalez here. Uh, what, what do you think it is that he's they're using to justify torture? I know that's a you know more of a moral question and trying to yeah. look into his soul. But but how is it that we've come to the point where our uh, U.S. Attorney General is essentially ignoring the Geneva Convention and uh, making his own laws up as far as torture goes.
1: Well, of course, he said that in his memo that the Geneva Conventions were quaint and obsolete, quote-unquote. That's very shocking. Mr. Gonzalez has never been in combat, and I note that the Geneva Conventions were people who had survi- were written by people who survived the horrors of World War II, the death camps, the Baton Death March. Um, the Gestapo headquarters, et cetera, et cetera. Those were written by people who knew the realities of war. Um, he's also redefined torture. It's very clearly set forth in the Convention Against Torture and also in our own felony statute that I mentioned earlier that was passed in 1996. What we're doing is clearly torture. In his memo, he sort of redefines it, the same with John Yoo's memo. Um, and of course, John Yoo and Alberto Gonzalez do, do not legislate, they cannot change the law. He also followed or respects and agrees with President Bush's interpretation that he can do anything during a time of war without any checks and balances, which, of course, directly strikes at the heart of our Constitution.
0: Now, would you define this as kind of a naive pragmatism or just plain evil? I would (laughs) see it as clearly evil. Uh All right. Well, let's go way back to the beginning. Now, now you came to this topic of U.S. government torture through the torture of your husband and his murder. Could you summarize to our listeners uh, what happened to your husband, the circumstances, and and the U.S. involvement there, too?
1: Sure. Um, Well, Guatemala, of course, um, is an extraordinary socioeconomic situation, uh, very similar to that of the old South Africa. Eighty percent of the people are are indigenous, Mayan Indians. They have no votes for any practical purposes, no representation, 80% severe malnutrition at 5'3". I'm taller than the average man in rural Guatemala. Highest infant mortality rate in the hemisphere, second only to Haiti. Um, There's been a Mayan uprising every single generation since the arrival of the conquistadors, not surprisingly. My husband was a Mayan peasant. He grew up speaking mom. He also grew up starving. He spent 17 years in the mountains um, fighting against um, the government forces that were, in fact, later found guilty of genocide against the Mayan people. Um, He was captured in 1992. He was severely tortured in a secret cell for two years. We know that he was injected with a toxic gas that caused one arm and leg to swell until they hemorrhaged. Mm We know that he was very intelligent and tried so many times to escape that they put him in a full body cast, that he was tortured and drugged repeatedly by military physicians, and then either thrown out of a helicopter and dismembered. During the time period that he was being tortured, I carried out three different hunger strikes, two of them in Guatemala, one in front of the White House. And what we found out is that he was tortured and killed by people who were on CIA payroll as paid informants, The CIA and the State Department knew where he was as of the week of his capture, they knew what was happening to him, and continued funding. The same month that Alpirez, a colonel who was working for the CIA, was seen injecting my husband with a toxic gas, he was given $44,000 by the CIA. The agent literally drove it way out in the jungle to hand over to him under sort of urgent circumstances. Um, Not only did they know exactly where he was, they lied to me, and they also lied to Congress, saying there was no information and that they had no evidence that there were any secret prisoners in Guatemala. In fact, their records show that they were told again and again that my husband was still alive and that 350 other prisoners were in the same situation and were being thrown down wells and out of helicopters and held in water pits, which is a technique, by the way, that we're using in Afghanistan today.
2: Now, we're talking Clinton administration, right? That's here. correct. Oh, right.
1: I'm
0: sorry.
2: Well, and let me remind our listeners we are speaking with Jennifer Harbury, and she is the author of a new book, a, 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 a very relevant book, Truth, torture, and the American way: the consequences of U.S. involvement in torture. So we're so they knew, the State Department knew, the CIA knew. Obviously, the Guatemalan uh, army w- and was uh, deeply involved with the U.S. military, the U.S. CIA.
1: It was the CIA, which in turn was paying for the torture of my husband. They were buying the information being extracted through torture, which is identical to what we're doing nowadays when we send people to Syria and Egypt to be tortured. And we even present a list of questions, and we fly the person there on our private CIA planes. Nothing new. It's called torture by proxy. It's also the equivalent of hiring someone else to shoot your wife so you can get the insurance money. It's a crime.
2: Now, um, you you also document the uh, U.S. involvement in torture, and I thought you pointed out something very interesting going back to Vietnam, Mm -hmm. Operation Phoenix, which Mm -hmm. uh, many people know of but don't Mm -hmm. know exactly what was going on. But essentially, this was the killing and maiming, torturing of Mm -hmm. of Vietnamese civilians during Mm -hmm. the Vietnam War right
1: yes in fact that iconic photograph out of abu Ghraib of go. the man with the hood standing on the box with the wires from his hand and his penis that exact technique is referred to in intelligence circles as the vietnam position because that's where it originated the rooms with escalating heat and then dropping temperatures the cold room that was also used in vietnam the water pit in my husband's files is where you keep a prisoner in water so deep they have to hang on to head bars to keep from drowning that's in my husband's files it's also trying to, it's also referred to in current Afghanistan techniques. Electrical shocks were of course with Dan Mitrion brought by the intelligence forces of the u s down to Brazil, which is where it all started um back in the sixties um, We also of course have the uh, dog attacks in all the Abu Ghraib photographs, which most of my Central American friends remember. Many of them had North Americans in their cell while they were being tortured uh The waterboarding again does not consist of dunking someone so that they're frightened or nervous. It consists of literally drowning them and then bringing them back with CPR, um, using cameras to humiliate the person and tell them that if they don't cooperate, um, that those photographs of their rape, et cetera, will be sent home to relatives. That's happened as well, also by Americans. The stress and duress positions... Um, I have photographs and drawings out of Salvador, out of Guatemala, which you cannot tell from, from the Abu Ghraib photographs. They're naked men in hoods swinging by their arms behind their backs from hooks overhead or from bars. Um, they're very stressful. If you hang a person um, from their arms long enough, as my friend in Honduras suffered, um you end up dislocating their elbows or their shoulder joints. Excuse me. If you leave someone standing for long enough and unable to move just so that their knees are slightly bent, that doesn't sound very harmful. But as the fluid backs up through their legs so that they cannot move, their feet swell grotesquely as do their legs. One friend of mine seen after 24 hours had his legs so swollen they couldn't actually get his feet into his shoes to present him to his wife. Mm-hmm. An American was involved in that one as well. You can suffer kidney damage from that after a while.
0: Now, are, are these techniques something uh, that might be taught at the uh, School of Americas? Absolutely. In Fort Kennedy, Georgia?
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. These are techniques that were refined and practiced and and worked out by united states intelligence forces since vietnam since the inception of the cia and taught across latin america and utilized um... today in iraq many of the people who were with phoenix operation in vietnam ended up as quote-unquote advisors in central america and are no doubt teaching exactly the same things today in iraq i noticed that there is now the scorpio team which is a death squad which is exactly the same as operation phoenix was in vietnam and it works closely with u.s. intelligence advisors General Malhash was one of its victims. He was badly beaten by the Scorpio people in front of the U.S. quote-unquote advisors or leaders of the team. He was then placed in a sleeping bag. They knelt on his broken ribs and rolled him back and forth in a sleeping bag. No Mm -hmm. surprise, when he was taken out, he was dead. This was in the presence of U.S. CIA advisors leading and training the Scorpio team.
0: I was just going to um, (laughs) move from that. That's very disturbing.
2: Yeah,
0: all of uh, this is disturbing. Yeah, I just want to. Oh, you go ahead, Mike. Well, I just
2: want to. I like to draw some kind of a frame around this stuff in the sense that we're we're now at least forty years into a history of the U.S. Uh, uh, abating and participating in torture. And yet, uh, to hear most of the mainstream media talk about it, this is this anomaly, this aberration. It happened with a few bad apples. It's always the uh, explanation. Well, the, that's what
1: they said to me
2: yeah. when
1: my husband was murdered. Um, they said, this was just a few bad apples in the CIA. They've been fired. It will never, never happen again. How could it be? that an American would have to go on to deadly hunger strikes in order to prevent torture. I noticed that the number of hunger strikers in Guantanamo protesting torture has recently doubled, and people are dying there.
2: No press. No press at all. I didn't know that, actually. And I usually... I'm pretty <laughs> plugged in, and I did not yeah. know that. Okay.
0: Uh, I think the the, uh, the meat of the matter is whether torture is productive. There, there is that argument that says that, you know, you can... Uh, you can... Well, that. Uh, that you you can torture the truth out of somebody and save lives. I think that's that's what well, most Americans think about torture. Is this there is any what truth the Bush about?
1: administration keeps telling us that yes. because they want us to permit torture. In fact, this is stupid. If I may be so blunt, mm-hmm. all intelligence experts agree, and common sense should tell us that someone who is under torture will say anything to prevent more pain. For example, Mr. Aboud, who ironically had been tortured at Abu Ghraib by Saddam Hussein, was then tortured by Americans again at Abu Ghraib. He admitted under torture that he was Osama bin Laden in disguise. We have a much more grim case recently in in the case of Mr. Al-Libbi. The FBI first was examining him and interrogating him using traditional police methods, and they were getting somewhere. He was then turned over to the CIA, who was sexually abused him and humiliated him, then sent him to Egypt where he was tortured. Under torture, he said there were links between al-Qaeda and Iraq. We then went to war on that information.
2: That, that, that is, I was, that, that's the one I was, gonna, I, was, mm-hmm. I was wondering about. There was an example. And, in fact, you perversely can say that this information has been productive for the administration because <laughs> it, it, gave, it gave them, the, gave them the, excuse yeah, they the excuse that they wanted. But obviously it's a lie this is a uh, this is obviously uh, I want to remind our listeners once again we're speaking with Jennifer Harbury and her her new book, True Torture and the american way
1: and what I'd like to mention too, you know that what we keep hearing again and again is we have to allow torture under some circumstances because what about the ticking bomb scenario when there's yeah. a nuclear bomb about to go off under Grand Central Station and there's millions of lives at stake? Bush just re- he mentioned that in explaining why he issued the reservation to McCain's bill. Number one, I note that we've tortured just about every prisoner in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Guantanamo with no ticking bomb in sight. Um, obviously, this is an excuse. Number two, suppose that situation did occur. Uh, in the first place, if you torture the person, you're not going to get any reliable information. They'll say anything. You'll run around New York running after wild goose chases, and it'll be too late. The bomb will go off. Second possibility, the person really knows where the bomb is and is highly trained, um, highly trained enough to actually have the information. If that's true, if that person's willing to die in a nuclear blast, he's obviously willing to take a couple of hours of torture Well, he gives false information Well, his friends move everything. That's basic compartmentalization. The CIA uses exactly the same training methods and exactly the same techniques. It's covert ops 101. So if you wait so long that the bomb is going to go off in a couple hours, you're already too late. It's not going to happen. So saying what if is exactly the same as saying what if one plus one is someday three? And I would just note that once you start legalizing torture under extraordinary circumstances, then there's no holding back. Is it enough to just torture the suspect? Could we torture his wife? What about his child? That might make him talk if we start pulling his child's fingernails out. Israel, which really faces attacks on a daily basis, actually tried this. You know, years ago, the Landau Commission said, okay, we'll allow moderate force if there's an imminent attack, you know, one that's about to go off any minute. Ten years later, there was no reduction in the actual attacks. In fact, attacks have skyrocketed with the harsh, repressive methods that have been used. And Israeli civil rights people came to the court and proved that more than 80 percent of the Palestinian prisoners were, in fact, being tortured. The court, upon that, re- reversed its position and made it illegal under any circumstances and said, quote, It may be that a democracy has to fight with one hand behind its back, but at least that is the upper hand. And I'd like to just end this discussion on security by noting that if we spread rage and hatred and humiliation throughout the Muslim world against Americans, we've become much less safe. If we think waterboarding is really legal, then when our own troops are picked up, those soldiers could be waterboarded quite legally. After all, we've said it's legal. What have we done?
0: Well, well, before we go, there's one question I do want to ask. What what can American citizens do to to stop this uh, uh, practice of torture by the government? Um,
1: I think it would be very important to get a commission going um, that would carry out criminal investigations of what has already occurred. I think there's certainly impeachment murmurings afoot, but I think we should get very serious about that, not only because of the illegal actions on surveillance, but because of war crimes we've committed. We should make sure that we hold the equivalent of Nuremberg because of what has happened, because if we don't, Number one, it will happen again. Number two, our allies in Europe are going to be forced under the Geneva Conventions themselves to put us on trial over there.
0: Do you see uh, Donald Rumsfeld standing before a court someday?
2: Before The Hague.
1: Yeah. He's going to have to. Yeah. And if we don't clean house here, then our allies have to clean our house for us. And what does that say about our moral disintegration here, that someone else would have to take care of this problem for us instead of ourselves.
2: We refuse to sign the international court uh, treaty. Correct. We have a a bill or a law in place that, uh, that, that authorizes the U.S. military to use military operations to extract U.S. soldiers or civilians from any world court proceedings. But there's always universal
1: jurisdiction, which is what ate General Pinochet. Also, Italy already has indicted 22 of our CIA agents. It can be done. We better do something about it on our own.
0: Right, right. Is uh, is there a a website or something that people can go to to find out more about this and find out what they can do?
1: Well... Please watch our, our office at our office task, the Torture Abolition and Survivor Support Coalition. We're going to be working a great deal on the subject and have worked here for years, of course, on that. It's composed of and by uh, torture survivors. Um, mm-hmm. Please feel free to, to follow our website. We'll be posting a lot of this.
2: And you also. Be able to go to theweeklysignals.com and we'll we'll have we'll, links. We'll post to, things up there too to to your site and uh, and to other places. Uh, Jennifer Harvey, mm-hmm. uh, author of Truth, Torture, and the American Way: A History and the History and Consequences of U.S. Involvement in Torture, an extremely timely book, very very well done. Thank you so much. Your personal story, which we barely touched on, is just so compelling. Uh, And uh, we're very, very proud to have you on uh, Weekly Signals. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you very much.
2: All right. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week. I'm Nathan Callahan, and
2: I'm Mike Kaspar, and this is Weekly Signals.